Everyone faces questions and decisions that require insight and answers as we move forward personally, professionally, and corporately in all areas of this thing we call life in America today. Hello, this is Joe Schofield, and I invite you to tune in every Monday evening from 6 to 7 p.m. as we talk together and hear from key leaders of all ages and backgrounds about your questions. Interesting, informative, intuitive, but always encouraging. Tune us in on BBS Radio Network. Join Pastor Joe and co-hosts Commander Rob Hansen, Nancy Hansen, Dr. Paul Hall, Stephanie Thayer, and Dr. Craig Thayer in Raising Expectations. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this week's version of Raising Expectations. And you know why we're on the air each week, because we want your expectations to grow week by week in who you are and all you can be. We want you to be positive. We want you to be proud to be an American, proud of who you are, proud of your faith, and most of all, somebody that you'd like to have as a neighbor. That would be really good, wouldn't it, guys? <laughs> Next yeah, like Mr. Rogers, right? <laughs> yeah, like Mr. Rogers, there you go. We're so <laughs> glad you're here tonight. Boy, have we got a program for you tonight. You're going to like this. So uh, just before we begin, as we always try to say, we like to share who we are with you. And we get a lot of correspondence back saying, this is almost like a conservative version of a fireside chat with not FDR, but with all of these great people. So I want to introduce them to you very quickly so you'll get to know them somewhat. First of all, uh, we have Dr. Paul Hall, who's a retired theologian. He was went around Mount Sinai with Moses. That's how old he is with me sometimes, because we go back a long time, over 50 years together as friends. And boy, have we got in trouble. I mean, helped a lot of people together. But also we have with us tonight, we have Commander Rob and Nancy Hansen. Now, Rob was a top gun uh, pilot, a, a fighter pilot, a squadron leader, and he trained those guys how to do what they needed to do to protect our nation. We're thankful for your service, Rob, and we always appreciate and love you, too. Appreciate Thank you, sir. And Nancy, thanks for taking good care of him, keeping him in line. Great to have you with us. I'll do what I can. Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. And also, what a privilege to have with us Dr. Craig and Stephanie Thayer. Dr. Craig is a trauma surgeon who heads the department at his hospital. Great man of faith. One of the greatest things we know about uh, him, as we got to know and our brother here, is that the people who have him for a doctor always say how much they appreciate that he cares for them. And you can tell when your doctor takes more than a Hippocratic oath, but takes a heartfelt call. <laughs> we really appreciate that about you, brother. That's it. And Stephanie, whoa, what Stephanie can do. She has an incredible program on health and wellness, not just how to diet, not just what you eat, because we discovered at Christmas that fudge was staying in no matter what she said. Remember, guys? But we also learned something else. Fudge is definitely on the diet at Christmas. We also learned that she works inside helping you as a great lady of faith to see who you are 
and to be proud of what you can do. And it's a step at a time. And Stephanie does a great, great job as a coach and a trainer with people, men and women, couples all over the nation. We appreciate you too, Stephanie. We really do. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is what we call the co-host team of Raising Expectations. And we want you to be really tickled every week. And we're glad we hear from you. And keep up the good work because we, we count you as part of our family. Now, here's the deal. Tonight, we've got something very, very special. We have a man that you are going to be so thrilled you turned in tonight's meeting. Now, I've never got to meet him, but I've only done some reading about him. And I saw his picture with other people that I really love and appreciate. And so uh, if he's helped them to become great, wait till we get to hear him tonight. We are so blessed to have you with us tonight on our program. Evan Sayet is known for so many things. There's one thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to ask Rob, who's got to talk to him a little more, this, Rob, I was looking at this, we were talking about this today, and Evan, this description of your book really is powerful. Uh, his book, uh, the, the Woke Supremacy, it says in this description that really grabbed me, as America grows more and more divided, the Woke Supremacy takes an honest look at the democratic socialist movement, its founding, its history, what it is that its followers want, and here's, here's the kicker, and what it is they're willing to do to get it. This simply could not be a more important book at a more important juncture in American and world history. So, Evan, thanks for being with us tonight. We want to welcome you to our program, and Rob, would you kind of bring in your friend for us tonight? Everybody, we welcome you with us. It's good to have you on our program tonight. Yeah, Come thank on, you, Evan. Thank you, Evan. Thank you, Dr. Joe. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, do we have any time left for the show now? No, actually, we were just you know, reading your obituary, so I hope that's okay, Evan. Anyway, I, I do have to tell you that the woke conspiracy, or the woke supremacy was a brilliant, and still is, a brilliant book, and it speaks the truth about many things that I think more people need to understand and learn about, which I think we'll be talking about soon. Um, but I also want to bring up a few years ago, you wrote the uh, Kindergarten of Eden, which I believe was uh, about modern liberalism and how they think, which I think is equally important, which I can't hold the book up right now. Um, and then I found I'm, out- I'm, I'm that- looking around for a copy. I don't have one here. Okay. Then I found out that you were uh, writing a new children's book called uh, Apocalypse Now, which I think, again, this this applies so perfectly in the times we live in. And as a children's book, it's very, very pertinent because ultimately what we're worried about is the future and the future of the children. And I think they're being fed, well, if I can, for want of a better word, do-do in their schools and in the universities and in the media and everything. But um, I understand, you know, you had previously, and maybe you still are a comedian, um, but I think you had also, uh, I don't know, had a uh, change after 9-11, like a lot of us did. In fact, the the co-pilot of uh, American Airlines number 11 was in my last fighter squadron with me. That was the first plane that flew into the uh, Twin Towers, which was just, you know, horrible. And it made it personal. Um, what I think, what I think Evan is going to talk about, and hopefully it's a lot of the stuff in the book, has to do with uh, things like, you know, the difference between socialism as a system of government 
and an ideology which takes socialism and turns the governments that do socialism into the evil tyrannical uh, things that they have shown themselves to turn out to be in the 20th century. Um, And I think that's something that, again, a lot of people mistakenly think socialism is an ideology when in fact it's not, right, Evan? That is the big mistake people make, which is why when we compare them to, to some of the more evil regimes that have been out there, they can point to the difference in their ideology, but there is no difference in the system of governance that is socialism. Mm-hmm. Socialism, by its definition, is that the government controls either outright through ownership or de facto through laws and regulations all the essential and even non-essential industries. And that's exactly what a whole variety of different ideologies, you know, Hitlerism wasn't Stalinism. Stalinism wasn't Leninism. Leninism wasn't Maoism. Uh, Maoism wasn't Ocasio-Cortezism. But the socialist system that they all embrace are one and the same. They all wish to see a handful of the elite. Mm -hmm. Those who possess in each of these situations, what I call the supreme trait. All right, so in Nazi Germany, that supreme trait was Arianism. In uh, in 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 Marxist socialist Marxist socialist countries like Leninism and Stalinism, the supreme trait was not race or it was class. If you possess the supreme trait of proletarianism, you were entitled to all the rights, privileges, and protections of society. And if you didn't. Not only were you not entitled to the rights, privileges, and protections of society, but it was a moral obligation of that society to do what was ever necessary, from from bullying to beating to bloodying to terrorizing to murdering. Whatever was necessary to fully disempower and forever silence all others. Mm -hmm. And only a socialist government can do that. Mm -hmm. Now, who the others are have changed depending on the ideology of the socialist. And and let me be even more clear, the supremacist. Because Mm -hmm. socialism is a supremacist system. Absolutely. It's a system that puts the handful of the elite. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the best Nazis were in charge. Uh, The the best Marxists were in charge. Now it's the best woke who are Mm -hmm. going to be in charge. And, and, it's, and it's actually a supremacist movement where they feel a moral obligation to use society's resources to fully disempower and forever silence those who do not possess the supreme trait. In this case, the supreme trait is wokeism. That's right, Evan. And, and I, uh, I think, you know, you really come out and say some really great stuff about how all of those who were uh, responsible for what murdering over a hundred million people in the 20th century, they used a technique called I don't know otherism, where they ended up they, they dehumanize you always like dehumanize dehumanize the other, and we see yeah. that with the woke that yeah. they cannot in in a supremacist movement the concerns of the other cannot be in any way legitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. nor can they be in any way morally based. The other cannot be a good and decent person who just happens to mm-hmm. be wrong. Mm-hmm. They must be not only deplorable, mm-hmm. but irredeemably so, yep. if not fully subhuman. Yep. You know, whether, whether it was the Nazis who made the Jews vermin, 
Mm-hmm. Well, if you, excuse me, if you look at another supremacist movement, Islamicism. Mm-hmm. In Islamicism, the supreme trait's not race or, or class, but creed. Mm-hmm. And in the Islamicist society, those who possess the supreme trait of extreme devotion before 6th century Muhammad are entitled to all the rights, privileges, and protections of that society, of, of ISIS, of, of uh, Hamas, Hezbollah, mm-hmm. Al-Qaeda, the Ayatollahs. All others are not only not entitled to the rights, protections, and privileges of Islamist society, mm-hmm. but it's a moral imperative to them that their resources be used to mm-hmm. kidnap, behead, fly airplanes into buildings, build nuclear bombs in order to incinerate, in order <laughs> to fully disempower and forever silence the other. Well, if you look at the Democratic Party today in the leftist movement, they believe it is a moral imperative to deny us the rights, privileges, and protections of society. Mm. We don't have the right to free speech, right? Because free speech has been deemed hate speech, and hate speech isn't free speech. We don't have the right to freedom freely assemble. They'll send Antifa in to beat us up if we do. We don't have freedom of association. We don't have due process. All they have to do is accuse us of something, and we're guilty. In fact, we don't even have the right to employment. If they discover even something from your past that hints that you do not possess the supreme state of wokeness, they will deny you even the right to be employed. Fully disempowered. I've been on the radio. I've been on the radio all day long. So I can imagine. Um, Say that uh, you know Speedy Gonzalez is now uh, a bad role model, and I remember back in the '60s there was a song about Speedy Gonzalez. Uh, that was fairly popular, but now that's bad now too, right? Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew. But you know what? We we make fun of this and we laugh at how ridiculous they are that they're going, that they care about the gender of a plastic potato. Mm -hmm. All right, but... It's not funny. It's funny, except when you realize that totalitarian means total. Yep. That there is nothing too small, too stupid, for the supremacists to mm-hmm. not seek to eliminate, to mm-hmm. disempower and silence. You know, in Hitler's Germany, it was everything from the biggest to the smallest. That's mm-hmm. what totalitarian means. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what we're witnessing. It's from the biggest right down to, to, to the gender of a plastic potato. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and again, we're looking at um, all of these movements started as, I think, socialism. Right. Well, socialism is the preferred system mm-hmm. of, of, of the supremacist because, yeah. because they, it focuses all the money and power into the hands of a very few. Mm-hmm. And, and one thing that uh, we, we have a hard time accepting the comparison between Nazi Germany and the Democratic Party. And part of the reason for that is we're always looking for the monsters. When mm-hmm. we think of that, when we think of the Nazi Party, we think of the monster Hitler. We think yep. of the monster uh, uh, Mengele. We think yeah. of the monster Garibalds. But the reality is, in any supremacist movement, only about 10 to 15% of the population are active and activist supremacists. Mm-hmm. So only about 10 to 15% of the Democrats were active and activist members of the Ku Klux Klan. Mm-hmm. Only about 10 to 15% of the German people were actual activist Nazis, members of the Nazi party. Mm-hmm. It's estimated that only about 10 to 15% of the world's Muslims 
are active and activist jihadis. Mm -hmm. So it's really not the monsters that we need to be afraid of. Mm -hmm. They're easy to identify and they're easy to defeat. Mm -hmm. It's the other 85 to 90% of the population that has simply been so steeped in, so fully surrounded by, so denied the, 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 the right to hear any other point of view. Mm-hmm. Because the other has been disempowered and silenced. Mm-hmm. So they they simply take the propaganda of the supremacists as givens. Mm-hmm. Something they think a lot about it. Something so, and I'll give you an example from the book, The World Supremacy. Probably about the last person you'd think of when you think of a Nazi or a supremacist is Bruce Springsteen. He's, by all accounts, including the few times I've had interaction with him, the nicest, sweetest guy in the world uh, just would not think of him as, as a monster by, by any stretch. He writes a song about what it's like to be born in the USA. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing about that song is every single lyric is diametrically opposed to his own personal experience. Mm-hmm. He got in a lot of hometown jams, and not only did they use it as an excuse to put a rifle in his hand, he got out of going to Vietnam over some minor physical ailment, which whatever it was, hasn't stopped him 50 years later from jumping over pianos and yeah. body surfing back to the stage in arenas. That's right. That's right. right. So, but the, the line is this. He says, got in a little hometown jam, so they put a rifle in my hand. Sent me off to a foreign land to go and kill the yellow man. Mm-hmm. Basically, he's just repeating the America is this evil, horrible, racist place Mm-hmm. where we would send our sons and our daughters halfway across the globe mm-hmm. to the godforsaken jungles of Southeast Asia for no other reason than to go kill people mm-hmm. because of the color of their skin. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's the, by the media, by the way. Yeah. But mm-hmm. that's all part of it. That's yeah. all part of it. That's all part of the being steeped in, surrounded by the media has to repeat the same thing that the government, mm-hmm. the same thing that the, the business people have to repeat. Because if they don't, They'll be disempowered and canceled. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Not only is Springsteen wrong about the reason for the Vietnam War, it had nothing whatsoever to do with race. But clearly, he didn't feel the need to spend even a moment thinking about the real reason for the Vietnam War because it was a given. The, the, the lie of the supremacists was such a given he didn't even have to take a minute to think about it. How do I know this? Because if he had taken even a moment, he had to have known that while it's true the North Vietnamese had yellow skin, so too did the South Vietnamese. That's right. Oh, that's right. right. <laughs> exactly. And no matter how dim-witted Springsteen may or may not be, he then had to have been able to make the mental leap to the fact that if both sides have the same color skin, Mm-hmm. then the reason for the war could not have been skin color, race. That's right. So why would he say such a horrible thing about America, fellow Americans, his neighbors, his friends, his colleagues, because he didn't give it a moment's thought. He had just been so surrounded by the narrative that he mm-hmm. took it as a given. That's exactly right, Evan. That's exactly right. They don't know the history of French Indochina after World War II. Nor they, they don't believe know about but, the end but, of Rob, sorry, but neither are they interested. That's no, that's that's even more scary. You know, 
They, they don't know. They don't want to know. And then they don't talk about, uh, well, the boat people after uh, the United States voted to cut funding uh, under the church amendment, I think, in 74, 75. And so you ended up with, you know, hundreds of thousands of boat people in Vietnam who were escaping with their lives, many of whom uh, didn't make it. And then there were the people that were left behind who definitely didn't well, make this, it. Well, this is, this is what happens with Democratic Party policy. And this goes mm-hmm. back to my original book, The Kindergarten of Eden, How the Modern Liberal Thinks, mm-hmm. where everything that they do is diametrically opposed to, to, to the utopian uh, ideals that they use to justify their mm-hmm. behaviors. Because the reality is the real reason for the, for the Vietnam War was that we went there to protect the yellow man and mm-hmm. the rest of the world well, from yeah. the ideology that had just brought us Adolf Hitler, and that was the spread of Soviet socialism. Exactly. Right? Hitler was yeah. German socialism. This was... And when their protests, their lies, their propaganda forced American troops to leave, they actually caused the death of, of millions of yellow people. When the mm-hmm. socialists of North, of, of North Vietnam did what socialists do, which is invade, oppress, and commit atrocities. That's right. Um, and it's funny how that's never really brought up. Yeah. Oh, nobody's going to mention that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I just did. Yeah, I'm good, but you're not nobody. You're somebody. We appreciate it. It's like Eric, uh, I mean, Kurt Schlichter said a week ago, if anybody knew any kind of thread of history, they don't teach it. It's revisionist history. They don't really know what's going on. But like you said, the most important thing is that they really don't care. So if they don't know it and they don't care, where do we go from here? It's an awfully, it's an awfully difficult thing. One thing that I that gives me hope is – a whole lot of us were on that side of things when we were younger. Yeah, yeah. And as we grew up, as we matured, as we learned more, as we experienced more, we many of us moved to the political right. And this would include me. I'm, I'm getting that several of you, uh, Dennis Prager, Michael Medved, uh, yes. all of us uh, started on, on the political left. And as we grew up, as we matured, as we experienced things, we moved to the right. I can't really tell you anybody yeah, who grew yeah. up conservative and as they learn more about life said, you know, I'm wrong. The left is, 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 is correct. Mm-hmm. So the fact that a lot of the youth yeah. are, are on the left shouldn't be so terrifying. The demographics mm-hmm. shouldn't be as terrifying mm-hmm. as they seem because nobody moves right to left. Mm-hmm. Lots of people move left to right. Mm-hmm. And, and that yeah. offers us hope. But, yeah. I have a program I call Adopt a Democrat. And <laughs> I call it Adopt a Democrat because Democrats really, truly are very much like children. I make this argument in my very first book, The Kindergarten of Eden. That's why it's yep. called The Kindergarten yep. of Eden. Uh, that the modern liberal is morally and intellectually retarded at the level of the five-year-old child. Mm-hmm. And while that sounds like hyperbole, if it were, I wouldn't say it because it sounds so impossible. I'd say 10-year-old child. You know, or I just say at a very young age. But it's literally at the age of five. Why? Because that's when the child first enters kindergarten and the professional leftists get a hold of our children for the first time on a a full-time basis. Mm -hmm. It's from that moment on that they are told that thinking is an act of bigotry. Mm -hmm. That thinking is Thinking is evil, which mm-hmm. is why they reject rational thought. It's, it's, it, 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 
It was um, Howard Zinn. There's Howard Zinn. Object, object, Howard Zinn said, objectivity is undesirable. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the, he was the guy that uh, wrote all the high school American history books, right? Oh, he, he's the single most assigned, his, his book is the single most assigned text on American American history yeah. in, in our primary schools and universities. And this is a man who said objectivity is undesirable. And he went on to explain why. He said, if you think that history should serve a social purpose, if you think that it should in some way advance the causes of humanity, then you make your choices based on that. Well, you know who else believed that? Adolf Hitler believed that. He believed he was advancing the causes of humanity, so he made his choices as to what to claim to be true based on that. Stalin he believed that exactly. Mao believed that exactly. Mm-hmm. If you believe that history should serve a social purpose, Hitler mm-hmm. believed that. That's and right. That, right. And it should in some way advance the causes of humanity. Hitler believed that. Yeah. So Hitler and Zinn believed exactly the same things. And therefore, they both rejected the objective truth and put into and, 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 and claimed to be the truth objectively false misinformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and the funny thing, a lot of people keep forgetting, I think, is that um, what they are trying to do is create a utopia, heaven on earth, paradise, based on, well, a complete misunderstanding of human nature, of course, and using whatever means necessary, including mass murder, including concentration camps, including well, you know, everything that don't agree with that whole can I say ideology, belief system? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. And again, it's a supremacist system. The supremacist system, yeah. And one of, the, one of the hallmarks of a supremacy is that they really do believe they are creating the perfect world. Mm-hmm. Hitler thought he was creating the perfect world of his imagination. Mm-hmm. Now, it was a different world than the Ayatollahs and Osama bin Laden think they're creating by eliminating all the others, which mm-hmm. is a different world still than the mm-hmm. one Marx thought he was going to create, the worker's paradise. Mm-hmm. And, and what the woke believe utopia will be is different still. Oh, yeah. But again, it's a utopian ideology that requires only those with the supreme trait to be empowered and to have voice and to, for all others to be forever silenced. And, you know, we've talked about Hitler. We've talked about Mao. We've talked about Stalin. Let's talk about another really, really, really nice guy, John Lennon. All right. By all accounts, John Lennon's the sweetest guy yeah. in the world. I've actually had, had reason to meet him and spend time with him. He could not have been more lovely. And by the way, in fairness to, to Mr. Lennon, he is not a socialist. He was not a socialist. The protagonist of that song, Imagine, was. But if you remember, they say, imagine the perfect world. This was asking, me, imagine the perfect world once mm-hmm. all the people live as one. Mm-hmm. Well, Hitler wanted all the people to live as one. It was just a different one. It was the one with the supreme trait of his supremacist ideology. Mm-hmm. Osama bin Laden wanted all the people to live as one. It was just a different one based on the supreme trait of his ideology. Mm-hmm. Marx wanted all the people to live as one. It was just a different one based on the supreme trait of his ideology. Mm-hmm. And even John Lennon, in what is de facto, is the de facto anthem, of the woke supremacy, the the goal is to disempower and silence. And he, he gives us a short list of who, right? 
people who believe in the right to the fruits of their own labor, mm-hmm. people who believe in the protections of national sovereignty and local elections, countries, and people who believe in God. Mm-hmm. And yeah. once they have been fully disempowered and forever silenced, all the people will live as one, the woke. That's right. Uh, no God, all dehumanizing and uh, believing whatever they're being told. Indeed. By the powers that be, the elite. You know, the well, you know, actually, what, what, they, what they've been taught is, is actually self-sustaining. Self, self Man, I need some sleep. Self-sustaining. <laughs> <laughs> We're with you. Yeah, I bet. Uh, yeah. You know, when you're doing publicity for a book, and especially, especially <laughs> when you've been permanently banned from Twitter, oh, and, yeah. and when you're in Facebook jail... No, you you just. <laughs> oh man, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Right. Not there yet. That's unacceptable. But, and let's it, take a thought out here for a second. These are such good thoughts you're giving, uh, for, as to uh, the mentality of all those leaders, to where they're coming from, why they were that way. Maybe, hey, Doctor Hall, Paul, you have a thought here, or Craig, or Stephanie. I I know we're just listening, and this is really exciting. And then I might have a question for. I think it's Doctor Paul. I, yeah. I could be wrong from the introduction, but what is a retired theologian? Yeah, you know, I think Joe was just uh, <laughs> nervous, Evan, and uh, a retired theologian. When he said that, I thought, well, that's interesting. Maybe I should consider that. <laughs> 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 now. I start thinking. Say was a retired <laughs> pastor, and uh, that is that hasn't happened either, Evan. Uh, yeah. kind of, you know, kind of, long, and I and I pray it never does. You know, I, I don't want to stay involved. And uh, listen, if you, if you're going to pray, I'm sure you're, you're the best person to do it. <laughs> I, I want to thank you for for being on the program this evening. I I watched your uh, your Heritage Foundation uh, speech today and found it really uh, fascinating and. I, I think when I hear people talk, uh, like on television, if I hear conservatives, et cetera, or I read some uh, articles or things like that, I always come back to, to, a, to a question in my brain, okay? And the question is, what, what can we do? You know, what can we do? Now, one of the fascinating points that you made was, and if, if, if I, I hope I'm saying this correctly, uh, is that uh, the elites get into um, occupations Well, I, I I can't hear you suddenly, but I know what I said, so I'm just going to assume. Okay, but I'm I'm going to assume. Yeah, if you if you notice, the professions that we associate with leftism are all professions where you don't ever actually do anything. Every one of them is all talk, but no action. Right. right, academia. You lecture to 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 children. Uh, in entertainment, you you opine. Uh, in uh, journalism, you report. In politics, you speechify. But they don't build. They don't mend. They don't sow. They don't create. Which means, when when all you do is talk, you don't have to know what you're talking about. <laughs> Sounds like Washington, D.C. in general, doesn't it? Very, very much so. Which is why so many who go to the swamp, who go out, uh, who enter actually being smart, end Mm -hmm. up being so dumb because they're in this this environment where there are no consequences to their actions. And consequences are things that you learn from. You know, know, the, the, the clever but wrong farmer 
his crop doesn't grow. Mm-hmm. The clever but wrong academic gets tenure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. So what can we do? And I started to talk about this adopted Democrat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, and I call it adopted Democrat because they really are very much like children. And because they are, a mistake that we make is we oh, assume yeah. we're talking to adults mm-hmm. and that we are so right. And it, our, our arguments are so logical mm-hmm. that all you have to do is explain it to them and they'll go, of course, what was I thinking? Mm-hmm. But once you realize that you're talking to children, we need to stop trying to, to win the debate. So we need to stop trying to change them immediately. We need to stop trying to, to uh, make everything a teachable moment. If you did that with your child, they would hate you. They would resent you. They would rebel. So you need to realize it might take 18 years. But plant the seed just like you would with your child. Then, then have a good time with them. Don't, don't try to win the point right now all the time. Mm-hmm. And, and over the course of time, what I find happens is something hits home personally that begins to open their eyes. And I'll tell you a story about my, my cousin, Larry. Larry didn't know what happened in Mexico. He wasn't in Mexico. So he doesn't know what happened with Fast and Furious. He had to take the news reports at face value. He wasn't there. He didn't know what happened in Benghazi. He wasn't there. So he had to take the news reports at face value. But the day that he got that premium and that letter from his insurance company that said he can't keep his doctor, he can't keep his policy, and if he wants even less policy, he has to pay more, <laughs> suddenly he knows that he's been lied to. Yes. And it's not a matter of selfishness. It's not a matter that he doesn't care about that other stuff. He just has no way of knowing <laughs> But then something hits home that just opens your eyes. And mm-hmm. it's like being inside a cave. Mm-hmm. Where they've told you nothing is outside. Nothing is outside. Nothing is outside. All it takes is a pinprick and a little light to come in. And you may not know what's out there, but you do know you've been lied to. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, and again, we have so many people that believe whatever they're told in the media or believe whatever they're told in their echo chamber of people that have like thoughts and beliefs and ideologies. And yet you can't really talk to them or be civil with them because they, they're not willing to listen. And this is ironic considering how they profess to be so open-minded and progressive and so forth. Right. And here's, here's, here's why this is the big point from my original book and from that original talk that, that several of you have brought up this evening. They believe, they confuse indiscriminateness with open-mindedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, and, and, and there's a great book out there other than mine called The Closing of the American Mind. Alan Bloom. Alan Bloom's book. <laughs> yep. And his point is that when your mind is so open that nothing is true, mm-hmm. then your mind isn't really open, it's closed to the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they've been sort of indoctrinated that way, haven't they? They've been raised to this is they've been raised to believe that indiscriminateness is a moral imperative mm-hmm. because its opposite is discrimination. That's right. They've been raised to believe that thinking is an act of bigotry. Here's why: anything that you believe, anything that I believe, anything that Nancy believes, any anything that uh, your audience believes, anything that anybody believes is going to have been so tainted by your personal prejudices. 
Mm-hmm. Prejudices we all have. Prejudice based on the color of your skin, the nation mm-hmm. of your ancestry, your height, your weight, your sex, and so on. Mm-hmm. Anything you believe is going to be so tainted by your prejudices that the only way not to be a bigot is to never think at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sad. And this, in oh, fact, is the other half of Howard Zinn's quote about objectivity being undesirable. He said, objectivity is impossible. It is also undesirable. That is, if it were possible, it would be undesirable. Mm-hmm. And th- th- there was just somebody on Fox News who said to, uh, that math is racist. Yeah, okay. right. Math right. is racist. Right. And said, right. well, you, you're telling me that two and two is four is racist? She said, right. yes, because there are no objective truths. That's right. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Well, there are no objective truths and thinking serves no purpose. And if there is no right and wrong, then the only reason you would say something is right is because you're a bigot. And the only thing you'd say is something is wrong is because you're a phobic. Yeah. And you're full of hate, right? Our side is the haters, right? It's the only explanation they have. Yeah. Yeah. They call us names, and yet they have no intelligent counter to any rational, factual discussion items that we provide to them. They just dismiss it, don't want to talk about it. And again, they're all driven kind of by emotions and feelings, and it's hard. And that goes back to the juvenile nature of the, the kindergarten, way yeah, right. the kindergarten of Eden. And and right just just so you guys know, that this is something they're actually proud of. By the way, in Orwell's 1984, Orwell had three slogans that that were plastered everywhere in in, in Oceania. One of them was ignorance is strength. Is strength, yep. <laughs> and that's what the Democrats believe. They believe that ignorance is love. Mm-hmm. It, that if you are ignorant of, of, of Islamic fascism or pretend to be, mm-hmm. then you are love. And anybody who is not ignorant of it and acts upon Islamicism, the supremacist movement that, 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 uh, that is homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic, wishes to return human beings to 6th century Muhammad. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you are intelligent and you recognize the truth and you act upon it, you're the foe. You're the phobic. Yeah. You're the evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're poo-poo heads and uh, they uh, just call names instead of countering an intelligent discussion of issues. Well, and, and supremacist movements... You have to say... I know you got questions there, Stephanie. Yeah, no, I was gonna. I, I was gonna ask. You know, is there a news or media outlet that you trust that you watch and listen to, or you know? <laughs> um, there, there are some I trust more than others. Um, I'm, I'm pretty fixed in in where I stand on things. You know, I used to go to a lot of conferences. I used to speak at a lot of conferences, and one of them in particular just three days in a row of, of stuff about jihad. And at a certain point, I say, I'm jihaded out. I don't need to know any more than I know. I know they're bad, we're good, let's fight. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I don't really need to know any more of the specifics. I know that CNN takes a story like that of Michael Brown, turns this would-be murderer who punched a cop in the face, tried to kill him with his own gun into mm-hmm. an innocent martyr, and turned this poor civil servant who, who tried, 
did his best in, into, into an evil white racist cop in order to inflame violence, in order to see black cities burned down. I really don't need to know much more about what they said today. You know, there's, there's, there was a joke in my, in my home when, when, my, when my friend would say to me, can you believe what Barack Obama did today? I said, I always wondered at what point did the Jews stop saying, can you believe what Hitler did today? All right. At a certain point, that's who they are. That's they, mm-hmm. I don't need one more example of it. I get it. They're bad. We're good. If we have to, let's fight. Oh, I'm with you there, Evan. Thank you. Stephanie, what do you got, Steph? I know you got something there. Oh, no I, jokes, I, right? No jokes. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, last week. You said something earlier in the show about, you know, a small portion of people um, really pushing or changing a society. And I always thought it was around 7% that could really influence. But as I have been studying, um, whenever there are protests or change, if you have three and a half percent active in a movement, that can change the trajectory. So you can have a very small portion, which is what we're seeing with media and kind of controlling our speech and that sort of thing coming out in this small percentage. And it just makes me wonder why aren't we countering that with more than 3.5% in the opposite direction? Um. To do to do what? I mean, we don't burn down cities. We we yes. don't we, we don't throw Molotov cocktails at cops. Uh, we we don't uh, we we don't do those things. And and perhaps we need to start thinking about doing things that we wouldn't normally do. You know, good is always at a disadvantage against evil mm-hmm. because good is constrained by its goodness. Mm-hmm. Whereas evil is constrained by nothing. By nothing. Yeah. And, and in fact, this is something that Saul Linsky, the, the de facto military advisor to, to, the, to the woke supremacy, said when he made one of the rules, make the other side live up to their book of rules. Mm-hmm. Because if your book of rules is the Constitution, you're going to provide them with rights and liberties and protections that they in turn won't provide to you. Mm-hmm. If, your, if your book of rules is the Bible, you're going to treat them in a way that they would not treat you. And at a certain point, people have to ask themselves, are they willing to break their own rules? Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, and, you know, I, I think about when, when, when the Islamists would wrap themselves in children and use them as human shields. And what, what were the Israelis to do at that point? They don't kill children, but on the other hand, if you don't kill the terrorist, he wins. He's going to win. He's going to keep killing your children. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, we're going to have to do things, I believe, that we wouldn't normally do if these people weren't evil. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that um, you mentioned uh, the Middle East, I guess. We are still sending the Palestinian authority hundreds of millions of dollars and that's the administrative arm of the PLO which are the terrorists what's going on with that why are we doing this here's why you and I can look at 
places like the like like the Middle East and make a rational, moral, informed opinion about who's good and who's bad. Mm-hmm. Basically, Israel is good. It's a liberal democracy with freedom of speech and freedom of assembly, so much freedom of a religion that the Dome of the Rock has place of pride above the, the holiest Jewish shrine in the entire country. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're surrounded by the most homophobic, xenophobic, misogynistic supremacists, Islamists who have vowed their destruction. So how do you get it so wrong? How does the Democrat get it diametrically opposed to the truth? Mm. How do they say that the problem is Israel? And not only is the problem Israel, but they are so evil that it's the only nation on the entire planet that the Democrats want to strangle to death economically through boycotts, divestments, and sanctions. Mm. How do they get it so wrong? And here's the answer. If nothing is better than anything else, because you must be indiscriminate. Relativism. Then how do you explain Israel's success? How do you explain the gleaming cities like Tel Aviv? How do you explain the symphony orchestras? How do you explain the Nobel Prize winning scientists? How do you explain the failures of the Palestinian world? Mm -hmm. See, if nothing is better than anything else, no culture, no religion, no forms of governance, no familial construct, no work of art, no body shape. If nothing is better than anything else, then success is unjust. Mm -hmm. Failure, as proved by nothing other than the fact that it has failed, is proof positive that somehow the failure has been victimized. Mm -hmm. Now it becomes the job of the academic and the other clever folks to invent, to come up with a brilliant-sounding explanation as to how they were victimized. But the reality is success must be punished. Failure must be rewarded if you are indiscriminate. Great success and great failure is a great injustice. And long and sustained success and failure is the greatest injustice of all, which is why the two nations they hate on the planet the most are America, the longest surviving democracy on the planet today, and the Jewish people, the longest surviving culture on the planet today. It has oh, yeah. nothing to do with the behaviors. They are indiscriminate. They are, they are, they do not factor in those things. These are things they learned after kindergarten and therefore mm-hmm. do not need. Everything I need to know, I learned in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's, simply do not need to know those things. Yeah. And nowadays, you know, we're faced with technology that spreads the hate, the uh, ideologies. Um, and, and of course, big tech nowadays, we're, we're faced with censorship. Um, we're, we're faced with uh, banning things like Speedy Gonzalez and Pepe Le Pew, oh, Dr. Seuss. And- Rob, it goes, it goes so much deeper than that even. I know. <laughs> what, what, you have, what you have to remember is that Nazi Germany was a cancel culture. Mm-hmm. So, Soviet Russia was a cancel culture. Yep. Mao, Maoist China was a cancel culture. Yep. The difference between them and the Democrats today is that they were using primitive technology. They mm-hmm. didn't have the technological sophistication and equipment That's that right. the Democrats have today. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yep. right? That's in, right. In, in order to silence people then, you had to put them into gulags or, or death camps. In order right. to silence them now, you could just write a line of code. In order to put people out of business, then you had to smash their windows. Mm-hmm. Today, all you have to do is, is demonetize them on Facebook. 
in, 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 in order to keep blacks in their place, the Democrats had to release the hounds. Mm-hmm. Today, they can hound you on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you got to remember the death camps and the gulags were not ends. Hitler didn't imagine a world of gas chambers and, and ovens. He imagined the perfect world that would come after the gas after. chambers. That's right. right. Yeah. And, and right. so the fact that the means that today's socialists are using are infinitely less ghastly, they also can afford for them to be less ghastly because you don't have to commit those atrocities in order to cancel the other. At least not yet. Well, at least not yet. There certainly will be some, and there already is a lot of violence. Oh, yeah. But look, that's what 1984 was all about. Mm-hmm. The Orwell's yeah. genius was found in this recognition of the authoritarianism and the totalitarianism inherent in socialist supremacists. Yeah. You know, remember, he, he, in his lifetime, he lived through Lenin, Stalin, Hitler, mm-hmm. and Mao. Mm-hmm. Right? And so when he wrote about the English socialists, his genius wasn't found in his recognition of the authoritarianism, totalitarianism of that system. Everybody already knew that. Mm-hmm. In fact, Marx even wrote it into the perfect socialist society. He said, before we can get to the workers' paradise, there will first have to be a dictatorship of those with the supreme trait. Okay? In Marxism, that supreme trait was proletarianism. He mm-hmm. wrote there would first have to be a dictatorship of the proletariat. Right? Mm-hmm. Orwell's genius is found in his prescience in recognizing that technology would become the new gulags and gas chambers. Mm-hmm. Uh, less bloody, but far more efficient and effective means of disempowering and silencing the other. That's the end. Mm-hmm. That's the end they want. The mm-hmm. end is one and the same. They are just a more technologically sophisticated version of mm-hmm. these other cancel cultures. Yeah, I think we got two things here that are really cool as we're looking at this time. Number one, we got to adopt a Democrat. That is really a good idea, don't you think, folks? I mean, I'm thinking of people in my mind, even as you said that. Yes, yes, yes. And James Robbins, Dr. Robbins, who was on, remember he said, watch a little less news and remember the old adage that we heard as kids, what goes around comes around, it will come back around and keep being there because when their bills, when this happens, when they lose this and they don't have that anymore, they're going to wake up and know, like you said, that something's happened. And well, uh, do, do I have just one more second. Yeah. You know, there's a famous expression that, 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 that revolutions eat their own. Yes. And that's the other thing is as they become more and more insane, they're going to eat more and more of yes. their own. Okay. White Russians, Reds, Russians, Lenin was not a Marx. Exactly. And that's going to happen. That's another point. He's the kind of history major. You, would, you might know him. He's a great guy like you. He has so much to share. And I think God knows exactly what's going on. And I, we love Israel. And I know he's watching over that, too. I am, was so tickled when President, uh, our former president was there and they moved to headquarters. What a special moment that was. I had tears in my eyes. Folks, we got time for one quick question. We only got three minutes and then they get mad at me because we run out of time. So uh, anybody have a question that you want to run by? We're so pleased. We're excited about you being with us tonight. Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Paul, have you got anything there? Or, or Tank? Or Dr. I mean, Dr. Thayer, we call you Tank, sorry. You know, I, I've heard a couple of times, and I, I do hear the phrase that people don't care. Do you think it's a matter that they don't care, or they've been trained not to care, or mm. they haven't uh, yeah. had... And, and, and the answer is that 
we post World War II have been the luckiest people in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. That virtually everything that could go wrong in a person's life from disease, there's no smallpox, there's no chickenpox, there's no polio, there's no, uh, well, what am I leaving out? The croup, there's no um, poverty America. in America has been so eradicated. Then you can go to the 99 cent store and, and buy a dinner if you had to. And, and in a world where nothing can go wrong, there is no right answer. Because if nothing can go wrong, then everything's right. And that's just sort of the world that post-World War II through today, mm-hmm. we've all been steeped in. Mm-hmm. Well, Evan, we're so thankful you're with us tonight. Thanks for taking the time. And we're gonna- uh, can I ask you a question now? Yeah. I'm sorry, Joe. I got, I got one minute. <laughs> okay. Just to just be honest, I was better than Kurt Schlichter, right? Oh, hey, listen, bro. <laughs> oh, that's not fair. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, were great. You're great. You're great. I think it's a tie. Yeah. Because you, know, you guys both that. have a great sense of humor. That's and right. you both are extremely smart as a whip. That's and right. that was excellent. You are on the same <laughs> ideological side. And, and he's a dear friend of mine. I love he's him. Great. That's great. We, we, we just feel really blessed tonight. Folks, I want to remind you that uh, next week we're going to get some more updates, a COVID update from our own doctor who keeps us clear and right on what's going on, where some people never get the refreshing ideas and understanding that we get from Dr. Thayer. And also, uh, week after that, we're going to have a specialist for the FBI that's going to be with us. You're going to be excited to hear about that. So our prayers are with you. May we call you Evan? We're all kind of first name. Our prayers are with you for one, a sound night's sleep so that you'll really feel rested tomorrow. And we pray that the, you're out of Facebook jail, that the censors are gone, that your book sells a million <laughs> copies and reaches out to everybody and helps them incredibly. And, if and you we want you back, Evan. Yeah. It'll be my pleasure. And by the way, don't you think we should mention buy my book? Book the woke supremacy. Well, yeah, that was the whole idea here. Woke supremacy and also apocalypse now (laughs) for those who have children, right? At Amazon, right? Go to Amazon, right? Go to Amazon, folks. We're used to doing that. Go to Amazon and and let's bless this man who's blessed us. And we pray protection and more more and more opportunities for you to bless our nation and help our people. So our prayers are with you, sir. And listen, when you go to our page, there's a donation button there. You all know that we're a listener-sponsored organization here. We thank those that are donating. God bless you. And if you hit that button, uh, actually, if we hit that, the little bell will ring on our Christmas tree next year. So we'll thank you for what you do to help us out on this. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, uh, God oh, bless you, you can donate too. Yeah, that's right. God bless you all. God keep you safe. Until next week, may all your expectations be encouraged and strengthened. And while you're at it, adopt a Democrat. Be a good idea. We'll look forward to seeing you next week. I like that. That's great. Yeah. Raising expectations. God bless Thank you, you, Evan. Thank you, Evan. Thanks for having Thank you, Evan. Thank you so much. Friends. Thanks for joining us on this week's program of Raising Expectations. We profoundly hope you found it engaging and at times humorous, but most of all, uplifting, so that we may, with you, one topic at a time each week, become more encouraged to move forward to an exciting future in, as we always say, this thing called life in America today. So let not your hearts be troubled, your family, finances, faith, freedom, It can be a great future as we talk, listen, respect, and pull together. Please let me hear from you. 
You can reach me at 972-922-8556. That's 972-922-8556 or Joe Schofield on Facebook or LinkedIn. It'd be a pleasure to know you and we hope you'll listen in again next week on the BBS Radio Network.